Hi, my name is Heather Broughton, Area Vice President of Marketing at NetScout, and I do believe 5G will change the world. But like all good things, it needs to come of age. Personally, I'm excited about new experience in things like healthcare and entertainment. For RCR Wireless News, I'm Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the weekly podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. But before we get into the 5G discussion, we like to get to know our guests a little bit better by posing three questions from the Proust questionnaire. I'm ready. (laughs) Question number one, what is your greatest extravagance? Man, (laughs) my greatest extravagance I'm, I'm just going to have to be honest, is purses. So I don't buy too many expensive things for myself. I really don't. You know, of course, I'm trying to look good. But um, when I was a kid, I was really just got infatuated and I guess rolled all up into the Dooney and Burke phase where everybody was crazy about getting a Dooney and Burke. And I saved for it. I begged my mom. And, you know, when I finally got one, I was so happy. I still have it to this day. It's kind of sad. But as an adult, I could just have kept that attraction. (laughs) And so um, I think it's because I wear a lot of black. I'm all black. And with different purses and colors, I can express, you know, different designs and have fun. And I only have a couple of designer purses, but I love them. And I know it's kind of girly, but um, I don't think I'm going to grow out of it. (laughs) If you swapped purses for sneakers, I would answer that question exactly the same way. Yeah, I kind of have a lot of sneakers as well. (laughs) (laughs) Question number two, Heather, what is your motto? Um, Manage the curve. So, So this is something I came up with after working for a manager who I just couldn't you know, connect with. And we were so different. He was a different age than me, a lot older. He had a different background than me. He had a completely different attitude than me. And we just couldn't get along or see eye to eye. And so I thought to myself, I don't have any idea how I'm going to get this to work. So I came up with this plan that I would just go in and have a tiny chat with him every day. And I turned into some longer chats. And then we started to kind of see eye to eye. And when I would start to propose things for for business wise, then he was starting to go, oh, yeah, I think that would work. We should do it that way. So I kind of came up with this idea that you just have to go in and manage the curve with somebody. You can't just go in and expect them to see your point of view. So if you have little touches with people every day, you may be able to turn them around and walk, in my opinion, like walk with you instead of against you. So I've told my friends, my colleagues, my families, my kids, everybody kind of knows, oh, Heather, she's managing the curve again. So (laughs) it's just one of my mottos. Question number three, when and where were you happiest? Well, you know, this isn't your typical story of a memory where I'm getting married or I'm having a child or I'm in this fancy vacation, but I do have this memory and I was just really, it's one of those moments where you think to yourself, I wish this feeling would last forever. So my husband and I, we had just bought a house and we were struggling just like I think all new couples, we didn't have a lot of money. We had to, you know, scrimp and save for everything. And then he went out and he bought a boat, 
But he bought this boat. It was like less than a thousand dollars. And it was a really crappy boat. <laughs> and he went to the store and he's like, I'm going to fix it up and I'm going to do it right. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So he had it in the driveway parked and he was fixing it up. And he's like, come outside. And I made, I grilled some dinner and we went outside and we sat on this boat and ate dinner. And it was just one of those moments where you think to yourself, you know what, we're going to make it. You know, I know we're scrimping and saving and doing whatever, but we were able to buy a boat. (laughs) I mean, even though it was a crappy boat, it just told me we're going to be okay. You know, like we, we can get through it. We're financially okay. And that, that was just a really happy moment for me. So Heather, not to timestamp our recording, but we're just a few days out from Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas. And I guess Mm -hmm. as I kind of think about the keynotes that I listened to, uh, coverage I worked on, coverage I read, seems like network slicing was a big part of the messaging sort of uh, across the board. And it was framed as, you know, the thing that's going to enable enterprise 5G and open the floodgates for new service revenues. So I'm kind of looking forward to talking through this with you. And, you know, maybe to start frame our conversation up a bit, you can just take our audience through what network slicing is what sort of technology operators need to do it, and then why it's important. Sure. So um, I agree with you. Network slicing is a hot topic. So um, if you think about it, network slicing is kind of akin to the virtual private networks, you know, VPNs that we have known for years and years and years, you know, it's way back on not even 1G, you know, mobile back home fixed line networks as well. So you could think of it kind of like a VPN as a slice, but what's different is that this is now created virtually on top of a physical network and it's dedicated to an enterprise, an event or a service. Um, but why all the hype, right? So the new technology is different because now you can put physical resources that in theory can change based on the needs of each of those enterprises, events, or services. So just to kind of give maybe a little bit more color on that, you've seen, you probably saw the news story when the King was getting coordinated and, you know, we'll go through the coronation. He, he had this headline that was like, the King's getting his fi- slice of 5G. So that's kind of a fun headline, but Vodafone in the UK actually dedicated resources all along the coronation route and wherever they were going to be just to show how the slicing could work for certain circumstances. And so that anytime his people needed to get in touch with each other, they would have their dedicated resources along the route. And I think as we come up with more like 5G services, and more exciting things, slicing really can become the more prevalent way of doing services for service providers and actually then turn into revenue. Yeah, that example of what Vodafone did during the coronation, I think is a really good one because, you know, that event and everything around it is hugely important to people in the UK. So, something half-baked is not going to be deployed. So, I mean, this was hardened. There was a clear use case and it delivered. But I think, you know, we need more of these before you start to see enough out there that the value becomes completely evident. But maybe 
you can just give us a more generalized assessment of of where the industry is right now in terms of not just thinking about and talking about slicing, but actually doing slicing and kind of giving us an indication of where it's going to go. What are you what are you seeing right now? Yeah, you know, it's a journey. So we're in the early days, like just like you said, pretty early days over 5G deployment. You know, even providing 5G coverage with RAN and Open RAN, and then people are looking at SLAs, building up ecosystems, and of course the big one, right? Moving from non-standalone to standalone 5G for slicing. Um, this just means that the way we see it at NetScout is it's just not far along yet. It's probably at if we were to take it across stage, you know, you have one slice, it's fixed to a service, it's provisioned, it's hardwired in most cases, just like we were talking about, you know, and it's, it's just very new. Um, I think we want to get to a much better stage, but we got to kind of go through the walk stage, which would be, as I see it, multiple slices, easier to provision, maybe even a customer could do it if they needed uh, however, it'd still be pretty fixed or provisioned. So what's the ultimate? I think the ultimate is the run stage. And this is where we want to see things like dynamic slicing. So people can get things on the fly. So if you think of the gaming industry, I like to tell people, because my mom, I was kind of trying to explain slicing to my mom. And I'm like, you know, you as a teenager, we could have come to you and said, I want to join this game night. It's going to be really fun, but my internet sucks. So can you please, you know, buy me some extra speed for the night? And you would say, okay, how much is it? It was like $5. It's cheap. But if a lots of people then, you know, at the night have teenagers who are joining all these gaming events, it could really add up. And so then those resources could be spun up on the fly and that teenager can get a great experience. And that would be really the ultimate stage of slicing. Hi, everyone. This is Sean. I wanted to take a moment to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by NetScout. NetScout Visibility Without Borders helps carriers achieve pervasive monitoring in real time with actionable insights from anywhere, any service, any technology, any cloud, with any application, in any infrastructure, at every phase of the 5G lifecycle. To learn more, visit www.netscout.com slash 5G. Now let's get back to our conversation with Heather. Yeah, so that's, you know, I, that to me is the big idea of slicing, this idea of a responsive provisioning of physical resources that are then delivered across the network domains in this virtual partition. And, you know, if, if the customer can do that on demand, just order up their own connectivity tuned to whatever their KPIs are, it's a big deal. But as we go down this path from walking to running, what do you see as kind of the milestones that would suggest we're going in the right direction? And maybe what kind of bottlenecks are out there that you think the industry will have to work together to solve? Yeah, that's a great question. So right now, I think things are really static. They're like the king slice. They're not going anywhere, right? I think we need to see things like gaming and other, you know, industries and services really push these carriers. You know, when we've seen places like hotels have big events or big gaming things on the weekend or even, you know, just fun things that they want to do, 
we've seen hotels kind of go, oh, we can give you hardwired internet, but we want to see slicing at that point, right? And we want to see it come out really fast so they can spin it up and spin it down. I mean, that's ultimate. So if carriers could automatically provision and allocate resources where they need to, but also have a good high level quality and provide their SLAs, I think that's where we're going to maybe win the race stage. (laughs) But right now, I think... um, just trying to get teenagers on the internet, that would that would be a great milestone. Um, I I really think these apps have to push it, right? So I'm going to make a, a huge generalization here. And again, this is kind of calling back to conversations I had around Mobile World Congress Las Vegas. But, you know, what is the big problem operators are facing today? And it's this kind of slow materialization of new 5G service revenues, in a climate where ARPU has been stagnant for a number of years. So we're kind of in this situation where it's like, we've got to monetize this and something that was already pressing is somehow even more pressing. But as you look at the market, look at the technology, do you think that the demand and the supply are kind of converging? Do you think operators are in a position to offer this and that they have strategies to take it to market in a way that will very directly solve problems that are established and and ready for solutions? I think they're getting there. I think that's their ultimate goal. We talk to a lot of carriers who say we we're we're getting there. We're ready. We're almost ready. We're, We're you know, but they haven't announced anything. And I think it's just because their brand is important. And like you said, you know, we need to make sure that we're going to make money off of this network. And if we damage the brand, that would be a big problem, right? So we've really got to make sure that healthcare and manufacturing, and you know, we're even seeing mining use cases, these kind of things where they need really low latency and high throughput, plus security, they've got to push. So as long as these enterprises and applications start coming up, I think the carriers will be ready to respond. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. You know, the only thing worse than doing this slowly would be doing it too quickly and and poorly and and really kind of putting a chilling effect there out in the market. So I guess maybe pull the curtain back for us a little bit and tell us how NetScout fits into this larger conversation and maybe any particular examples of, of how you're working with your customers to enable this. Yeah, um, I'd love to do that. So NetScale, I want to kind of bring it back to the 5G journey. We've been on our own journey. We're working with NIMS and tier one carriers on the implementation of 5G uh, for some time. You know, we have on our website, we're 5G ready now. And that's, that's really not a joke. I mean, we've been there since the very beginning. But as, you know, everybody's up. There's so much complexity. There's nothing new about that. You know, there's cloud, there's disaggregated networks, there's containers. And we just find ourselves having to get more deep with the customers in the NIMS than we've ever had before. So we did put a press release out sometime back showing how we're leading the way. We did it with Ericsson and Swisscom. And we built a way to pull the packets out that's very different so that people could still look at different things like a slice or um, just the SLAs and build these kind of things to get ready. 
but we're not only working with Ericsson, we're working with Mavnir, Nokia, F5, all the top hyperscalers on 5G. And we're heavily involved, not only in our typical observability pieces or probing as we would traditionally do, but with 5G, we're actually shaping the specification. So that's new for NetScout. We are really helping those carriers understand the best way to get the traffic, build the analytics and prove the quality. Because right now there's just no way to do it without utilizing network technology technology that NetScout has basically developed. And it's been a real great ride, a good journey with the um, NIMS and the partnerships that we're building. So it's, if we take it back down to slicing, we believe automation is really the key there. So dynamic slicing and meeting SLAs. And for us, number one is accurate data, real-time data. And that's something for NetScout is perfect. So if there's garbage in and garbage out, you know that old uh, adage, then how are carriers going to feel about that? Are they going to be ready to stick their brand out there? So at NetScout, we have developed probing technologies that can go down to a micro probe. So if you think the tiniest probe that can go down, it's virtual and it's available for slicing. So if you have one slice for gaming and you have one slice for healthcare, you could have a different probe on each one of those. And so just think you're scaling down this probe way down to a individual slice and how powerful that can be. You know, you can get all the full packets, all the KPIs, you can get the call trays and you can even feed third parties data on each individual slice. And for us, that's, that's really going to help in our minds, help the carriers make sure that they're fulfilling their SLA obligations. You know, I mean, NetScout and carriers, we're really on our own journey, but I think we're getting there. Some great examples there of how this is coming together in the real world and how NetScout is working across the industry to go from vision to reality. You know, personally, I'm eager to get from walking to running, so very glad to hear that there's some tangible progress. Heather, I really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with me and give our audience some insight into how slicing is taking shape and answering that question, will 5G change the world? I really enjoyed it. Thank you.